This is URN Sport. University Radio Nottingham, that's a good station as well. URN, let them do a go well to finish, please. Can you stop editing the go well, please, at the end of their show? Cheers. Go well. Keep it URN. Keep it URN. Keep it URN. This. This. Is URN. Hello and welcome to Sticky Wickets. Myself and Toby are so bored of cold turkey, nut roasts and family discussions over the dinner table that we've pulled ourselves away from it. I'm doing a top 10 moments of cricket throughout 2022. Toby, how are you, my friend? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Looking forward to the podcast. Should be should be a good thing. And I'm sure everyone will agree with our you know definitive list that it is the, the top 10 moments and there's there's no way you can argue otherwise. Yeah, I, the thing I love about top tens is no one is ever happy with them. Exactly. Same with tier lists. No one ever completely agrees. Now, we know a thing or two about tier lists. Listen to that Thursday show, 11 to 1 on URN. It'd be interesting to know where you'd put 2022 as a year. Um, so many dramatic moments. Toby, let's talk purely cricket. Your cricketing year, watching, playing, how did you enjoy it? Yeah, no, it was really good. I mean, watching in particular, partly because that Trembridge test match specifically, mm. which I'm sure we'll get onto at some point. Watching that was unbelievable. And then, yeah, playing-wise as well. Didn't play loads, um, but four or five games here or there. Really enjoyed it, as, as you always do. And then and then we'll see, I guess, how 2023 goes. How was your, uh, your playing and watching 2022? Watching was very interesting. I saw some diabolical cricket. Um, I remember watching Varsity Cricket with you early in June, and it was freezing. It was so cold and w- there's a great picture of us, which we'll try and dig out of. You're in shorts and a hoodie. I'm in um big, like big coat and a, and a hoodie and a, what's it called? A bubble hat. And we can, we just look so cold. And that was, a, that was a good day for varsity. Not a great day for cricket as knots rammed over Trent, which was always a good laugh. Playing wise, I played quite well. I, I, I got back regularly playing for the first time in a few years. I had one, one spell where I got hit for two fours and two singles over five overs. That was quite special. And then got a few wickets coming over, moving the ball away. I'm sorry, I'm probably bigging it up too much. But I got one wicket where I came around um, to a left-hander and it just pitched outside off and hit middle. I went through his gate and he'd scored quite a few runs that season. And I was bowling awfully, bowled long up after long up or just a full toss, full toss. And then I bowled this one good ball, Toby. And that makes a spell so good for a bowler. Um, as you probably don't know, you batsmen, if you have one bad ball. But for us bowlers, if you get one good ball, the spell's worth it. I think one good moment and one horrific moment brings us to number 10 quite quite well. Number 10, England women have an ODI against India at Lords. Now, the reason we're putting this at number 10 is because we don't like man-cadding, okay? We don't like it, but we also appreciate the women's game and it was so good. Let's start on the positives here, Tobes, to have an ODI at Lords for women, wasn't it? No, oh, it was amazing. I mean, we talked about it, I think, on the stick of wicket straight after it happened, that the well, first time since 2019 in that World Cup final that they played um, played at Lords, which seems way too long, really, to have been an option. Um, but I guess finally getting the recognition, you'd hope that, I guess, over the last few years, that, that the women's games really started to build. Sorry, 2017, I meant not 2019 for the Women's World Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, which is what five years they're basically since they last played there, which was way too long. Um, and yeah, it was just great seeing them seeing them back there. And it's a shame the the match ended the way it was. 
Um, yeah. But I guess you can't have everything, can you? You can't have everything. But this brings me to a positive through the negative. Obviously, we know the mancad. Toby, what's your views on mancads quickly? Uh, not the biggest fan, but I'm slowly not coming around to it. But I think that they do need to bring in something to to stop just... It seems like um, almost one extreme to another where you're either a millimetre out your ground or um, mm. or you're out and not playing. Like it, it, Such a big difference. I think maybe they need to come up with a way where they use the sort of third umpire to take away runs or whatever it might be if you're out your ground too often or, or even at all. That's quite a clever idea. Sort of a, not a VAR, but you know they, what they had at the FIFA World Cup with the lines? Goal line technology. Yeah, goal, because yeah, that always works at World Cups. Um, the negative to the positive, the mancad wasn't good. We never liked mancads. However, the actual treatment of it by the media, for me, was a positive. It focused on the event, not the people taking part. And for me, it felt like any male cricket, when there's a moral crisis in male cricket, usually a mancad, a run out, all that, it got treated the exact same with the same amount of media. And I thought that was a really, really good gauge of where we are with women's cricket because over the past two years, especially with the 100, this is the only mention the 100 is going to get, I promise, listener. It feels like women's cricket has come on leaps and bounds and we wanted to have women's cricket in here some way. And this is the most memorable moment, I'd say, of women's cricket. But Toby, do you think we can see in 2023 an even bigger moment for women's cricket? I mean, you hope so. They've got the World Cup coming up. Uh, coming up soon so maybe something there might happen maybe there might be a no huge huge moment within that which could really put women's cricket more on the map than it already is um obviously the third um hundred uh will be the the big one as well obviously that's huge for the women's game and, and hopefully maybe an IPL coming soon which would would really be ridiculously good for for women's game you saw what it's done with with the men's even in just the what 15 years it's been around that that maybe that something like this might might help the women's game even more as well. Um, so I guess yeah. there's, there's big hope for something like that. Out of interest, India's women beat England 3-0. But England's women have had a fantastic year reaching the final of a World Cup. That didn't make our top 10 because it felt very weird, that tournament. I think the bad start, then the sort of really good middle, then the really poor end to it. It hasn't quite made it. And we'll talk about our honourable mentions later. But overall... That women's ODI at Lords, it was a sellout, I believe. The moment, just the whole visual element of having women's cricket played at Lords, England versus India, it was so representative of what cricket is in this country at the moment. It's growing the female sport and it was really enjoyable. It was a great moment. And um, here's to more women's cricket in 2023. We do have another women's cricket moment on the list later. Number nine, England gets a massive amount of runs against Holland. Now, this is quite low. Everyone's already saying this. And hits and go, oh, they got 400 and whatever it was. It was nearly 500, wasn't it? 499, yeah. 499. Why isn't this higher, Toby? Because I think the opposition have to come into question. I think so. I think when you take the context of the game, it obviously being almost a second-string England side in, in many ways, um, combined with against Holland on a really flat track, like a really, yeah. really flat track. Um, but I think once you take that all of that into account, it's a bit of a shame. But the one thing I do quite like about this is it means next time that record is broken, probably by England, if you look at the trend of it going, yeah, it'll be 500, which will be a massive score. Um, so I guess in some ways it would have been a bit of a shame if the first 500 was in a sort of 
a second tier ODI series against a sort of slightly weaker side and um, with, with England's side being a bit weaker as well. So I guess maybe that's a reason why it's not higher up, but I'm sure next time the record's broken, it it will be way higher up on a, on a sticky wicket year review list. Yeah, it was a B-side Holland side. There was quite a few memorable names who might get a mention later on in the World Cup. Maybe you're going to have to keep listening, but they just weren't there. The Holland kit was lovely and it was nice to play at a new ground and I was really excited for this. And then I was at work. I was at work and I was watching this on my little iPhone, just trying to enjoy it as much as I could. But it was a 498 for four. So many runs. It's a shame this wasn't a full strength Holland side. And it's a shame it's not going to be remembered. However, you're totally right. This is going to be a memory. And I think for Joss Butler, it's a great way to say, look, we're here again. You want to look at the next two highest scores. It's England again against Pakistan and Australia. Not bad. Not bad from the England boys, both at Trent Bridge. Trent Bridge will get a mention later on. Toby, I remember in 2019, everyone was talking about 500 being the score that will happen at this World Cup. It didn't happen and it still hasn't happened. Will 2023 bring that elusive 500 in full level ODI cricket? Very possibly. I mean, you can't think it's going to be much longer than that they take to someone to get to 500 in, in ODIs. Um, and particularly when you look at the side that England have right now, that that most of the teams really have absolutely stacked batting lineups all the way down to number seven, number eight, really. Um, kind of proves that it must be, must be pretty near that, that the chance might happen. I, I'd love to see it. And let's hope it's against Australia after, after we win the Ashes. Number eight, let's talk about this. A moment that you guys might not have suspected. Cricket returning to the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. For me, this is a massive moment because it was on BBC One. Women's cricket getting more coverage than ever. The game I remember specifically was a sold out Edgbaston, uh, England versus India. I believe it was in the semi finals. And just it being on BBC One during no football was on, just women's sport was dominating that summer, rightfully so. And just to see more people tune in than ever before. Quite a weird situation for the England team. Uh, not the full England team because it's Commonwealth rules and all that. Um, but it was a delight to see a sort of different kit for England. That's always fun. But also women's cricket being on terrestrial TV and one of the most viewed sporting events of the day and of the week and of the month. It was a great a moment, wasn't it, Toby? Oh, I absolutely loved it. And I think this is almost one of those moments that, Although it's only number eight on our list right now, it could almost be when you look at 2020 as a decade in review, it could still be on there, maybe even higher on the list, just because of the consequences it might have later down the line, not only just for for uh, women's cricket, but for cricket in general, just showing that it can be played at the Olympics, it could be played at the Commonwealth Games. And it might not have these huge impacts on the sort of the, what the six teams that were involved in the women's game, but it might if it does get a chance at the Olympics later on down the line, the the funding that it would then allow for much smaller nations who haven't quite got involved with it yet um, with cricket, such as maybe Brazil and, and Thailand, who have really strong women's um, sides, but aren't really involved in the men's as much, but it will show them that they definitely have a, a pathway to future professionalisation and, and hopefully growing the game further around the world and, and more globally generally. It was only women at the Commonwealth Games playing cricket, which was a little bit of controversy, but I think it really promoted the game more. And especially as it on during the 100, it then promoted the women's game more so going into the 100, which is definitely a positive. You talked about the Olympics. 
could this be a decade where we see cricket moving in there? I don't think it'll be in Paris. I think that's already been decided and I can't imagine Paris. Well, a weird fact, actually. France hold the silver medal for cricket at um, the Olympics. There was only one game back in 19... Ooh, I can't it was tell like you. 22 or something, wasn't it? Yeah, it would have been post-First World War. And France hold the only silver medal. There was no bronze. It was only two teams playing it, but we're getting away from that. Um, do you think the Olympics will see the addition of cricket? I really hope so. I know it's in, in big discussion for, what, the 2028 um, Olympics. Um, so I think that, I, I think would really, really help. Just whether, again, it might just be a women's side of things, I think could be really useful. Or even a shortened format, maybe, what, a T10 kind of style or or a 100 style, maybe. Um, mm. Just to shorten it all up. I'm sure you'd hate that one, Dom. I, I wouldn't hate if, okay, I prefer T10. I think that would be very good. I think one of the next Olympics is going to be in America. So that needs to be thought about using baseball pitches. And whilst we're on the topic of America, America have had a very good year in cricket. And I think the growth of the game, like you said, with Brazil, um, if you listen to Tail Enders, they've had the captain, I believe, on. And Thailand did so well at the previous World Cup with amazing kits. We'd love to see the growth of nations at a World Cup. If you have to pick one nation, Toby, to see their, their rise, and same way we've seen Pakistan rise from 2012, who weren't a team that would ever bother the top 10 in 2012, it felt like. In the next 10 years for our Sticky Wicket review of 2032, who would you like to see have a moment in there? Could be any nation. I don't know. This is really tough. I'd I'd like to see Sri Lanka really getting back up there. When you look Ooh. at sort of where they were 10 years ago with Sangakara, Jaya Warner, all of these massive names, they've maybe not had a slight fall from grace, but they're not really considered up there where they were 10 years ago. And I think a strong Sri Lanka would be, would be quite nice to see again. That'll be interesting. I'd like. I'd quite like to see either UAE get big or Oman get big, or maybe someone like the return of Kenya. Kenya did so well in two thousand and two's World Cup. Was it two thousand two, two thousand three? Maybe they got to the semi-finals. And I just think I'd love to see the rise of African cricket uh, going with the rise of African football. They did. Morocco got to the first World Cup semi-final. But yeah, let's hope maybe China. If or if China gets involved. Cricket surely would become the most popular sport in the world if China got overtaken by cricket. Could be interesting. Could be interesting. That is one for the 2032 podcast, which will be an absolute banger. So look out for that one. Number seven, the ECB appointments. Now, I would thoroughly recommend listening to the podcast where we are distraught. We do not see a future in England cricket. One win in 17. No hope. We'd had one win to talk about as a Sticky Wicket podcast. I think we only had three wins in total over our first two years until Rob Key gets appointed, Ben Stokes gets appointed as England's test captain, and Brendan McCullum takes the coaching role. Which one of those three, Toby, were you most pessimistic about? I think I was most pessimistic, but also I think it's been it was arguably the best appointment, mainly because it was the first one, was Rob Key. I didn't really know what to make of it. He'd spent a lot of time, obviously, on Sky talking about um, the sort of the the way that cricket was being run within within England. And I guess it was almost a moment that could one of the journalists, the pundits who always come out with these criticisms, go into role and, and prove that what they've been talking about for the past five years as, as a pundit <laughs> is, is the right way to do it. And 
And he really has shown that, that he knew what he was talking about, which I think is quite a funny way when you think about Rob Key as a pundit. He was always one of those <laughs> maybe slightly more, everyone took the joke, took the piss out of him. He was more of the joke. It was one of these kind of roles. Um, and I think he's done done really well with it. And I, I do think he was almost the most important because I think if you'd had a, I think it was, Ben Stokes was almost always going to take captaincy when Root stepped down. And I think that wasn't, that was quite an easy um, appointment. But then, the foresight to to put someone like McCullum in alongside Ben Stokes's was really the genius that Rob Key had. And and using someone that he knew was a similar kind of character, a similar kind of personality to Ben Stokes. If he if he had thrown in um a, a much more pessimistic coach alongside Stokes, then I'm sure you'd have had no um they'd have had nowhere near the kind of rise to, to fame that they've had right now. And I, I wonder if Stokes maybe had any sort of say in, in the coach um, because they work so well together that they must have had some sort of brainstorming idea saying, this is what we're doing. This is what I want from a coach. Um, and Rob Key managed to find the, the perfect coach, really, to uh, to pair alongside Stokes. I think it's been like almost a perfect trinity, really, because you think I was very worried about Ben Stokes as a captain. And I remember being very worried about burnout. We'd, we'd just taken time out of the game. We'd seen what happened to Flintoff. We'd seen what happened to both of them in years gone by. And we just thought no one's going to be able to manage a team successfully and be their presence on the pitch. And Ben's managed to do both. Okay, he stepped back a little bit with bowling, especially in Pakistan, but that's understandable when you've got players like Jimmy absolutely tearing it up. Rob Key has come in and I was oh, not happy about this. I thought Rob Key was someone who'd been quite rude about Gloucester, I seem to remember, been quite rude about the facilities there, and that's been held as a grudge by a lot of Gloucester fans. And you think, is he just going to focus on Kent? Are we going to see Darren Stevens maybe making a test captaincy? And he's proved us all wrong. He's taken the role very seriously and done absolutely superb in it. He's really revolutionised the game. Now, I don't think he's been perfect. I really don't like the new system we've got going for next summer with the cricket finishing, uh, the test cricket finishing before August, and especially after the test cricket we've seen, McCullum has been absolutely superb in this as well. I, I'm not saying they're all perfect, and we've got a big test to come against Australia, who I think are probably world number one, in my opinion, and they're going to be our biggest test. But we've beaten New Zealand, we've beaten Pakistan, and we've beaten South Africa, all big teams. It feels mad we couldn't beat a below-par West Indies on pretty bad pitches and the negativity we all felt after the ashes, which was at the end of 2020, at the start, sorry, of 2022. And you're all thinking, where is this going? And now we end the year in a completely different set of circumstances. Do you think, Toby, Brendan McCullum, I don't know what to say about him. It, it feels like we've run out of things to say. If you had to summarise him as an individual coaching with three words this is going to be difficult what would they be oh i guess it's fearlessness passion and aggression really and i think I those were how you'd have described mccullum as a, as a player as well so it's good to see that he's carried it through um which is i think the best thing really if he'd come in and and, and sort of try to change his own philosophy to match england's or stokes's which he might have had to have then I, sh I think it would have proven it wouldn't have worked as well as it as it had done. And at number six, we have a game I actually went to. England versus India at Edgbaston. Edgbaston's made quite a few appearances on the list so far. 
England chasing down one of the biggest totals in test history from a really negative uh, perspective. England were done and dusted. The task was insurmountable that fourth day. For me, I didn't see England getting anywhere near it. And then we just built, 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 built. Root and Bairstow, I seem to remember having a fantastic innings. Toby, what were your abiding memories of England-India? The one test match of this year, uh, England-India, but what were your thoughts on it? Oh, it's just amazing. I mean, I think it was it was right between the New Zealand and the South Africa series. It was sort of almost a one-off, following on from England's pretty poor showing last year on the route. And obviously, I think it showed the the different kind of style that England were managing to uh, to play with. Uh, Bairstow got 100 in both innings, which, you know, wouldn't have happened beforehand. I'm sure Root got 100 as well. Um, and I think it really did just show very... the the, the stark contrast, really, between... 2021 and 2022 where we pretty much got battered every time in each of the matches against India and then this one we absolutely blasted them highest run total ever what 378 I think it was um, yeah only three down as well which I think yeah, again shows how how massively this was everyone going at 60 70 80 strike rate just blasting it around I think just what a performance really from England and it was almost the follow-up from having basballed New Zealand, we then basballed India. Totally. And you actually look, the reason this is low is because it's not, how do we put this? It was such a belated game. It didn't feel like the, the sort of 2005 flicking of the bales, if you know what I mean. But if you look at the game, it's fascinating. 416 for India, England 284, followed by a really exciting 245 for India. And watching that, India had a really good uh, tail end, as they always do. Um, was it Rishabh Pant with a 57? Really leading the tail. And you just think, oh, this game's gotten too far for Basball. This was Basball's first... Was it his first test? I wouldn't say that, because obviously beating New Zealand was incredible. This was the biggest test Basball had faced. And you think, right, against Bumrah, against all their amazing talent, against the mind games of Kohli, this is going to be this can be tricky. And it just got started very well. Uh, I remember Lees and Crawley got off to a fantastic start. Alex Lees 56 was superb. And then Zach Crawley just left one a little bit too close. And you think, oh dear, this isn't going to plan. Pope does his usual Surrey, gets out early. Root and Bairstow come in. And weather an early storm, but then start to pick it up, pick it up, pick it up in the basball fashion of respect the good, but I'm going to hit anything that's slightly off, and even the good stuff, I'm going to have a little bit of a tickle at. It felt so exciting to be in the ground, that sort of building of an atmosphere when you just realise England are going to do it. And then going into that fifth day, it felt like a foregone conclusion that England were going to chase 378. Is any total, total insurmountable for the basketball at the moment? Doesn't seem like it really, does it? I mean, we'll have to wait and find out what happens in New Zealand and then probably more importantly the Ashes next summer will be a really interesting interesting place to see how how Basball might stand up to what is a really really good Australian side but if they play like they did last summer I'm not sure there's much more really that they'd struggle to get to I mean they were only three down chasing three seven eight they could have easily gone to nearly 500 you'd have thought um with Root and Bairstow at the crease who knows what might have happened and we're still with Ben Stokes and Sam Billings to come in. There's there's some good batsmen down the order as well. 
and Jack Leach, let's not forget. Um, <laughs> yeah, just looking at that, Potts, Broad, Leach, Anderson, could have easily gotten to six, 700 there. And it would have been an absolute, it would have been very interesting to see the how far England, how many runs England can get. I'd love to know what is our absolute peak. We saw what's happened in the ODI squad. We know 498 is our sort of Everest. I really want to see how far this England team can go. We saw it a little bit in Pakistan, which we'll talk about later. That is confirmed. But that brings us on to our honourable mentions. This is URN Sport. So now on to a few of our honourable mentions. Obviously, Sophie Eccleston, huge for her. 52 wickets in a calendar year. Absolutely mental. I mean, Don, what do you think of that? She's obviously been one of the world's best players for the past few years now. Still only really young, though. Do you think she's going to keep improving and maybe the best bowler of all time? Or We've seen Jimmy do this. We've seen Jimmy get to a point where he's still ripping it up. And I think I'd like to, I'd love to know whether those two are like, so what's it like being a goat for you? What's it like being a goat for you? It would just be so good if they just got a chat called the goat chat. And just passing on information about how each other can stay fit. Because I'd love to see Sophie just keep on pounding, maybe get another World Cup. Just, yeah, what an absolute, like breaking any record is special. And to break that record is something quite impressive. What was it, 52 wickets, did you say? 52 it, wickets, yeah. Not bad, is it? It's a pretty good effort. I, mean, yeah. I think she's number one in the world for odi and t20 or at least in the top five for both of those i mean it's been really yeah. really good i mean another another huge honorable mention as well is i guess not such a great moment for us but i mean you some of your favorites don uh, england losing to ireland in the t20 world cup it's another world yeah. cup england have, have lost to uh to it's i guess not a minnow but a sort of a smaller side yeah and it got not quite the mass reaction it did in ireland but for Irish cricket fans, that is that's the one. So we I wanted to put that one in as an honourable mention because even though it was by rain, it's not quite the same thing. I, I quite liked it, so I think it deserved a mention. I think if anything, for England cricket fans, gave the kick at the bum that England needed at that tournament. I thought it was a real switch on moment. Ireland put themselves back into the race and I remember being really spicy. Who was gonna go through? And yeah, it's a shame Irish cricket hasn't gone to the semi-final yet in the same way Welsh football's kicked on since getting to Euro 2016 but Josh Little becomes the first Irishman to be signed by the IPL um, obviously Morgs has been but he's technically an England resident at the time and also Paul Sterling's not been mentioned at all which is a disgrace every podcast needs a Paul Sterling moment so yeah um, big shout out to the Ireland team there yeah, on a similar note as well, Scotland beating double world champions West Indies as well. That was an absolutely massive moment in Scottish cricket. I mean, the last two, three years, they've really, really been going for it. Pretty much since beating what, England in what, 20, 2019, 2018, I think they beat us. 2018, I want to say. 2018, yeah. Um, just in that one-off ODI, but an absolutely huge performance from them. And they've just gone on leaps and bounds since. Um, obviously mm. having a really good World Cup last year as well as, as well as this year. Do you think that they might maybe be able to overtake Ireland at some point or do you think it'll be a tough mm. tough ask them to do that? I'd say they'll get to an even level. I think Ireland will really benefit from the uses of players like Morgan going back and talking to them and just building that infrastructure that they really need. I think there's been a few accidental great players come from those nations I don't think Scotland has had a great player yet, not someone who could play in the IPL yet. I would love the ICC to make a rule where for the IPL, you have to put in, or maybe not have to, they 
fun, you get a benefit, say, from putting a player in from Afghanistan, Scotland, Namibia, and grow the game because ICC is not great at growing the game. I think that's what I'd love to see. I'd love to just see a way that Scottish players could get into that IPL, learn those tactics. But I think Ireland will always just be that little bit better, bigger player base, and a little less likely to. I think they're more likely to qualify for World Cups, which means more funding and all that. But I'd love to see Scotland at an ODI World Cup. Yeah, I think, as you mentioned a bit earlier, something like the Commonwealth Games would really help a team like Scotland, even if they didn't allow the the big six nations or whatever it might be from from men's cricket. They could, it, it'd be just unbelievable to have sides like that going into it, just getting more exposure, more time to play. And I think there's been a bit of a talk about Ireland and Scotland maybe getting a, a chance playing in the Blast or in County Championship or something, which I think would be really good as well. Just getting them more exposure to higher level because unless you're really a, a top player from one of those two countries, literally top three, four players, you're not really going to get a, get a gig in the uh, in the County Championship or the Blast because you're an overseas player now as well for a lot of them. Um, yeah. So I think it would be really useful if they could then have a bit of a exposure because obviously your top players are getting a chance to play at that level. But yeah. something like that would mean that all 11, 12, all your top players then get more of a chance rather than having to play in what's yeah. maybe a bit harsh saying, but effectively village cricket maybe in a... Unless, yeah, unless, not the elite, not the elite. And I'd like to say, and I think the growth of team, uh, like the Caribbean Premier League, the T10 that's going on in Abu Dhabi, is it? Um, the Afghanistan Premier League has been put on hold, but was growing. Um, the Sri Lanka, New Zealand, does they grow? I think there'll be greater requirement for players like Josh Little, say, or Josh Little last year, for instance, where they're not quite good enough, but if they just got a chance, and I think one of our moments will show later, if you give someone a chance, they may be able to take it. Yeah, I think completely so. And then I guess our final moment really is uh, is just a general England's 11 debutants over the year, spanning from, I'll give you a bit of a hint here, spanning from Sam Billings, the first one in back in Hobart, all the way to Rian Ahmed most recently in Karachi. But I was going to a little quiz here for Dom, as we, as we do love a quiz in Sticky Wicket. Can you yeah, name yeah. the other nine debutants over the year? Brooks. Yep. Potts. Yep. He was fantastic. I feel so sorry he's not in it. Alex Lees. Correct. Mm, yes. Lees. Yeah, in West Indies. Will Jacks. Yes. Um, This one threw me a bit, and it wasn't until I was doing my research that I found this. Overton, because he got Overton. 97 and he's not really found his way back in. Um, speaking of fast bowlers who's not been able to find their way back in, did Mahmood? Mahmood yeah. did, correct. That's a good one, that. Parkey? Parkinson did as uh, against New Zealand, um, I think as a concussion sub. Yeah. Oh, good. Oh, fantastic. Livingston? Yes. Only that one-off game and didn't really do much, but he has no. debuted. How many is that? One, Eight. Two, three, You're four, missing five, one six. more here. I'll tell you, he debuted in the same game as Sakib Mahmood in uh, in Bridgetown in the West Indies. I I think this is the toughest one, really. Give me his. What was he? A batsman, bowler. He's he's a quick bowler. Got injured and hasn't played since. M F are his initials. If that helps. Uh, <laughs> I've got the two words I can't say due to off. <laughs> I'll tell you that it's it's oh, yeah. Matt Fisher. No, wouldn't be able to pick him out of the lineup. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough, yeah. But Sorry, I, think, <laughs> I think all of the uh, all the debutants there have, have had differing levels of of debuts. You can go from Rian Ahmed and Will Jacks both getting five mm. for six for rep, 
uh, retrospectively. Harry Brook, not the greatest debut, but has scored hundreds in games two, three, and four, which is not a bad effort. Um, And then Alex Lee's unfortunately out of the team. Billings hasn't had much of a chance. And then, yeah, Jamie Overton, Matt Potts, both debuted against New Zealand and both had differing debuts. I think Potts took, what, three, four, five wickets maybe on his debut and bowled really, really well early on. And Overton, almost the other side, when he got 97 and got got England out of a bit of a tough situation, really. Um, Who do you think will will come out of this as maybe the most long-term option for, for England? And you call it, in our 2023 review, they'll have had the biggest impact. And then also I want a really long-term in 2032, who might not? Who might be there as a, as a great in ten years' time? I'm going to say something controversial. None of them. None of them. Potts is the only person I think had a really. Now I like Brooks. Don't worry. I think he got away with it a little bit on a flat surface. Ahmed, I, he's still very young. He's still very young. And obviously, Adil Rashid played for England when he was 18 too. And both leg spinners. You can see the comparisons there. And I, I just. I just think he's a little bit young and Adar Rashid is a superb player. And I think there's a little bit too much pressure on him. Who was the opener who's got runs in Bangladesh for England? Um, oh, oh, do you mean Haseeb Hamid? Haseeb Hamid scored runs very early on and never really got back in the England side full-time bar 2019, a very unique spell there. I don't think Overton was that good. Lees, I quite liked, but didn't quite get the runs needed. Sam Billings for me, will always be on the periphery of an England side and never be quite good enough, unfortunately. And I like I like him as a human being, but there's just so much great talent. Will Jacks, he's from he's Surrey, isn't he? Yeah, Surrey, yeah. I think he's one that's got a chance. I think mm. I think Harry Brook this time next year, when we do our 2023 review, will be he'll be the breakout star, Harry Brook. He'll still be on the side, probably still smashing runs. Is I think Livingston... Potts, Livingston, I, I can't see Livingston really playing Test Rick again. I think... Yeah. He was ahead of Will Jacks at the start of that um, that Pakistan tour, but I, I was surprised by that originally, and I think Will Jacks is a better player. And I think maybe in ten years' time, Will Jacks could be one that is still in the side and actually still performing as a either as a frontline spinner, maybe, or even more as a part timer, um, mm. maybe batting at six or something, as, and some bowling a few offies um, mm. where needed. Possibly even as that frontline spinner who who sort of almost bats at six, a bit like Moan Ali did for a while. Yeah, well, let's hope he's a bit better. Uh, Mahmood, maybe. Maybe Mahmood. Yeah, he's it, nice... Injury-dependent, yeah. I guess, for him. But yeah, no, I, think... I think we've got a really good squad. We've got lots of good depth. Stone, Archer, also to come back. We've seen Archer just develop a little bit more. England have a lot of depth, and that excites me. Must be so. We really do. It's so exciting. Uh, on, I guess, a slightly different one, our first non-English top 10 moment Uh Back to the T20 World Cup, India versus Pakistan. Now, what a game that was. Um, You can see Dom groan in the background there, or I can (laughs) anyway. Um, Obviously, it's a big, big Virat Kohli moment that he really carried them. But I mean, just to run it through quickly, Shah Massoud and um, and Ahmed for for Pakistan both got 50s. No one else really scored any runs. Uh, And then India looked really down and out of it. They were, at one point, 31 for four with Axel Patel coming in at, at number five, which is way too high for him, before yeah. Virat Kohli goes on an absolutely mad one, basically going at run of all for a while before pulling out 82 from 53 and just blasting it absolutely everywhere. Literally that final over took uh, Nawaz for, what was it, 16 or something in the end, I think it might have been. 
Yeah, uh, absolutely huge moment. What What did you make of that game? Because me and you actually watched that together, Dom, didn't we? In the in the office, it was one of the worst results of the year. It was awful. I hated it because it meant Virat Kohli was good. Pakistan threw it away as per in a World Cup. They're either brilliant or they're either awful. I don't know where. It's when you only have, say, 18 overs of good bowling, they felt the punishment. It proved that cricket is still requires elite bowling in a way. And it is, is pro batsman or bats, uh, batter as it is now, sorry. Um, but I just think it proved that bowling is always going to be so important to the game just because they absolutely bottled it. Poor captaincy, tried to kill it off too early. And it was such a shame for Pakistan to go on and lose. But for India in that tournament, it was almost their World Cup, that, wasn't it? They they never really got into a big momentum. I suppose maybe beating Bangladesh, but is that really what you want to remember that tournament by other than your big win over your big rivals? It, it For me, this is why it's quite low. Very early on in the tournament, not quite. I mean, it's a fantastic win. However... Pakistan with one to a more successful in the tournament and it is pro Virat Kohli. So it's got to be legally quite low on the sticky pod. I think you're right there. That's the one reason I guess it wouldn't be higher. I'm sure in, a, mm. in an Indian podcast, Wisdom India podcast or something like that, it might Probably be number one high. moment. Yeah. Um, and I can't imagine they had to put India losing a world records <laughs> to England in the test match in there either. Uh, to number four, we've gone for the... I guess it was generally the England versus Pakistan series as a whole, but mm. specifically that first game. What an absolutely amazing way that actually I think it was the first time what England have won batting first in, in basketball, I want to say maybe. Um or at least one of the most most memorable moments. I mean, they put on six hundred and fifty-seven in the first innings, um, which is which is quite quite a good effort. And oh, when you're told it's it's only from bang on hundred oh. overs, um, oh. that's when you're thinking what an unbelievable effort that is to go at what six and over that is over six and over phenomenal yeah. phenomenal effort and it really set the mood with hundreds from four of England's top five um that was really a moment and then the way that the chase happened or the the failed chase by Pakistan at the end England set them only 343 to score from just over a day um was just great captaincy yet again from Ben Stokes and and they and Pakistan failed to do it with England's Bowling out with only a few overs to go. What did you make of that game as a hold on? Friend of the podcast, Ellie Oldroyd, famously said on Fighting Talk, this game's got nothing in it. It won't be an exciting finish. Tune it out. Pitches need to be changed in Pakistan. Um, I was already already quite displeased by it because you were your predictions were right in the first hour, which was sickening. Um, because <laughs> you got Ben Duckett to get runs. And, and didn't he, Justin Fairness? Uh, it was a fantastic game of cricket where all three results were really on the cards at one point. There was a point where briefly Pakistan looked like they could really challenge us here. And you always think, can England do it on that surface again? Will they be able to hold out? Will England be able to take wickets? It was really exciting to watch. And that final afternoon was superb. And to get a win where we bat first proved Basball is flexible. It proved England... Had, I think that was our first win in Pakistan since the 90s. Obviously... Uh, since 2000 on the dot. Oh, wow. Okay. But in fairness, we hadn't been there in a while. It also marked the return of cricket in Pakistan. 
uh, like English cricket, sorry, because obviously we'd failed to go before. We'd had had a series of T20s, which in fairness has just somehow missed out on this as well. It felt like the real return of English cricket. I think you can have T20s all you like, but test cricket at that level, to go to the fifth day, to be so enjoyable, bat, ball, fielding, just all of it was perfect. So many stories, so many records broken. It was, for me, one of the perfect tests, in my opinion. But yeah, Toby, what did you make of it? Yeah, no, it was phenomenal. I think it was the reason partly why it's so high, not only just for that one game, but the way that England then managed to keep that going for the other two games, winning more matches in the space of a month than they have in the whole other history of <laughs> Test cricket in Pakistan is ridiculous. I think it helps maybe it's not one of the, it's pretty well, it's probably one of the weaker Pakistan sides they've had for a yeah. while. But the way that even then Australia last year failed, or even earlier this year actually it was, but failed to even to go to Pakistan and they only got one win flukily almost in that final test match on some flat tracks. And England went in there on arguably what was a flatter track than than mm. Australia had in any of their three games. They went in there and just hit it to all parts of the pitch, smashed it absolutely everywhere and batted at such a rate in both innings that it meant they had time to actually take 20 wickets on it, which is something that England have always failed or always mm. struggled to do really, take 20 wickets on a flat track. And part of the reason was just scoreboard pressure, which in theory shouldn't be a thing in Test cricket. But somehow England have, the way they batted under Stokes and McCollum, they've somehow managed to make it a thing now in Test cricket, which is just a phenomenal thing to do. If you want to hear like more about the sort of, we talked about it in great depth in the last pod, about how it gives time. I think basketball's greatest element for the bowlers is it not only brings the momentum in, but it also gives them the time for 20 wickets. And you think... To get 657 before, I can't remember a time we've been this exciting, probably 2010, maybe. But it just gave so much time for our bowlers, and especially Robinson, who was excellent. Anderson, who was excellent. Um, didn't Will Jacks get a fifer in this as well? Jacks took six for in the first innings, yeah, which again shows. It was a real team effort, and um, the only downfall was Root didn't get a double century. Or, <laughs> or a fifer. Yeah, that was that was bold, wasn't yeah. it? Was I think you meant you mentioned there though that the way that it allows England to have time, I think, is really the way that J- Jimmy Anderson has a phenomenal record actually overseas from England in the last few years. But most of that is actually just because he's so miserly and so has such mm. a low economy that when he does take wickets, that they come at such a low average. But actually, because he bowled at economy one point five, he bowled twenty five overs, which is so many, you think, for a seamer in that final. Final Off innings as well, exactly. But he managed to take four wickets because he bowled so economically mm. that Pakistan eventually had to start taking wickets, and then he managed to come in with a few wickets towards the end, which which really did show how well this basketball is not only just for the for the batsman, but allows bowlers that time, which you mentioned there. Uh, then on to our top three now, which is getting quite exciting. Number three moment for us is England becoming double world champions. Not only have they won it in twenty nineteen, they won in a phenomenal fashion against Pakistan in 2022 to win the T20 World Cup. It's a shame it wasn't under Owen Morgan, but I think it really now does prove that England have just completely changed how white ball cricket's being played. Getting to the uh, semi-final, almost winning the last T20 World Cup, 2019 winning it, 2017, um, unfortunately losing the semi-finals in the Champions Trophy, and 2016 losing in that final. That's literally been seven years now of pure domination mm. from, from English cricket, which I think is English white ball cricket has been unbelievable. What have you made of, of that T20 World Cup, Dom? 
the reason why it's so low, and I'm sure there's people listening, is because I don't think it quite got the momentum due to maybe it's because we're students. We didn't get a lot of cricket to watch, if we're quite honest. There was so much rain. It didn't quite feel like the 2019 World Cup, maybe because of the game situation too, but is an incredible achievement to hold both trophies. And it's simply unfathomable in 2015. Simply unfathomable. I remember being on a coach journey for the England-Australia game and one of the lads behind us who had 3G, because that was new at the time, um, was saying, we've lost another wicket. We've lost another wicket. Oh, we've lost another wicket. We were totally outclassed by Australia. We were totally outclassed by Bangladesh, New Zealand. I think we would struggle against anyone. I think we only beat, who do we beat? Scotland and Afghanistan at that tournament. And you look, going back even further to 2014 in that T20 with the salmon kits, uh, that was that kit. Yeah, oh, maybe maybe a little bit before where we had Danny Briggs bowling, I believe, and it just being an absolute mess at the T20. And you think the Vitality Blast isn't working. Now, however, now, however, the Vitality Blast has been brought all before us. And that's why Toby's voted it so low because he hates the Blast. But I just don't think it was as exciting as the previous World Cup. It didn't quite capture the excitement of the nation like I thought it would. And also, with it not being Morgan and it not being Butler's team, it felt a little bit of, I don't know, it didn't quite feel the sort of pathos the last World Cup had. And this is incredibly arrogant for England fans to be going. didn't quite have the same effect as the last World Cup. However, it's a fantastic achievement. The only thing, it's low on this list because this is a moments list. And the moment that takes it for me, we'll explain later how we're going to do that. It, it didn't quite have that desired effect of we finally done it it felt like cool we've done it but yeah I, I don't think I quite fell in love with this tournament due to the rain and the sort of difficulties of watching but Toby what did you make of it yeah no I think I think you mentioned there I think the time zones as well doesn't help to be woken up at what I have to wake up mm. at 9am to watch the the final after a mm. night out on a Saturday morning um, yeah. I think didn't quite work out me and my housemates all agreed to wake up at 9am Get up, go into the living room, and watch watch the whole of the match. Uh, I'm waking up at nine a.m. to putting a message into our group chat saying, "Yeah, so everyone awake and ready to go." Then immediately put put my phone on the side and going back to sleep, knowing that everyone else is asleep, um, and set an alarm for the for the second innings, which was quite lucky because then we at least got to see what was a really really good chase by uh, by the English side. Um, I think yeah, as well being in the winter as well isn't quite as good. Um, mm. But maybe hopefully there'll be T20 World Cup in in the summer that England can. To keep going with because I, I do think same with the with the football cup really this year it not being in the summer has a slight just effect that it's not all about that it's about christmas it's about the premier league that's on and off and all these other things that if it is in the summer there's pretty much no other sport ever on i think that always always really helps to keep the momentum going and, and to really draw fans in mm, definitely agree um which brings us to our top two now me and Toby wrote provisional lists, and Toby, for once, and this is a, this is he's obviously been visited by three Yorkshire ghosts, has gone for number one Johnny Bairstow against Trent Bridge, um, against Trent Bridge because it felt like he's just bullying it, trying to hit it with every ball possible against New Zealand, sorry, um, and it was a really exciting innings. I think it was free tickets for all, and I went for the Hampshire no ball on the last ball of the T Twenty finals day. 
the whole drama of it all was, uh, uh, in the words of Pamela, I love it, Mick. Um, because Toby formerly hosted Whistleblowers, and there was one feature on that that you'd love to do, a Trent degree where you'd have to spout nonsense for about a minute. We're going to reverse that a little way. We're going to say why you think your event today was the best thing of the year. And are we going to put this on Instagram, Tobes, do you think? I think we'll try to. We'll try to, yeah. Yeah. We've got some good internet content, haven't we? Where, where can people see that content, Tobes? Oh, they can just see it at stickywicket underscore URN. And our t- TikTok will be back in a day once I'm allowed to use TikTok again <laughs> in the new year. Lovely, lovely. Um, Tobes, how should we do this? How should we... I don't have a coin to hand because it's not 2019 and we're now living in a cashless society. I, I can't really flip my Apple watch. Rock, paper, scissors. Um, rock, paper, scissors. Right, this is great. On, on shoot? Yeah. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh, he wins. Toby goes first. Or is, what would you like to do? I'll go, I'll go first. I'll go first. Yeah. So the moment for me, Johnny Bairstow winning... I mean, this really, it's just the way that he was so dominant. And I think it really is summed up by the fact that I went from literally two weeks before the match happening saying Johnny Bairstow should not play for England, uh, get Harry Brook in, he's Johnny Bairstow's washed, he's absolutely rubbish, to now me voting it as a moment of the year. I think really sums up how special that moment was. And and obviously I was there, luckily. And I think part of the reason Dom hasn't put this number one is he's <laughs> still jealous that he wasn't there on the day of cricket. Um, I think there was just this feeling within the stadium that although it seems impossible that England would chase down 400, it just wasn't going to happen. But somehow, once England started batting, I think Lee's hit a really nice straight drive early on and it just got the momentum going. And the crowd... Throughout the sort of afternoon, we're a bit like, wait a sec, wait, wait, wait a second, what's happening here? And it just kept building and building. And even when Root went early, I think he got a duck, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone was a bit like, oh, this maybe not. Yeah, Root got three three runs and everyone's a bit, oh, this is not going to go well. Crawley got a duck and we're thinking, oh, God, no. And then Johnny Bairstow comes in and Ben Stokes come in. And we're thinking, wait a second here, what might happen? And then first ball after tea, Johnny Bairstow ducks. And Ben Stokes, you can literally see it. Ben Stokes walks down the wicket and starts not berating Bairstow, but having a word with him. You're thinking, what's going on here? Next ball, same ball. Johnny Bairstow rocks back and creams it over square leg for six runs. And everyone's like, oh, yes. And then it just goes from there. Bairstow goes ballistic. Stokes goes ballistic. And it's just an absolutely mental day out in the sun. And it was really the start of Basball, just the way that they managed to go from there, from literally winning one in 17 to now being nine in 10. It's just, I think, really was started from that moment. Actually, it might have been by Ben Stokes and McCullum and Rob Key, but I think Johnny Besso really has embodied it. And that moment there really summed up what has changed within cricket for, for England. It's a, it's a lovely elevator pitch. The one thing I'll say is I've seen astonishing innings before. I've seen Besto do that before. I've seen Stokes do that before. I've seen him at that ground. I've seen... Um, Bairstow tear apart Australia, Pakistan. There, um, not the same. It was different days, of course. <laughs> Otherwise, that would have been a bad. Day. That would have been a good day. I missed it. Okay, there bitterness. I was working and I hated it. I was in a boring office. I wanted to be with my mates, uh, drinking cider, watching it in the sun with free tickets, which started a great revolution, I'd say, of free tickets fun day, making people go to cricket. And off the hand, I think we both know about six or seven people 
who went to test cricket for the first time and loved it because it was was an amazing day. However, this is a moments list, Toby. You've seen good innings before. You've seen me bat, so you know what it's like to watch Johnny Birthday. You will never, ever see an important final, the T20 final, fireworks go off, Hampshire winning. It's like it's 2010 again. Amazing scenes, joy, everyone, limbs and scenes from the Hampshire fans in Edgbaston. The Hollies is going wild. And then one editorial glorious over to the umpire, holding out an outstretched arm for no ball, free hit. The story has changed. Lancashire Lightning are back in this. All they need now is a few runs, not a singular six. What could happen? The pressure builds. You'll never see anything like this again. It's great use of umpiring. It built the drama. It's a singular, it's in what five minutes. The play had to be stopped a little bit due to the fireworks smoke being so much. And it was quite funny to see the secondary fireworks they had to put up. Hampshire go on to win it in controversial style as they change the field for a no ball. So it has a moment of controversy. It was an incredible moment. It promotes domestic cricket, which I know Toby hates to do. It was an amazing scene of good umpiring to an extent. It has controversy. And who was the bowler who bowled it? I can't remember. Oh, it was Dave really Ellis. He really impressed me too this year. I think it's one of the most iconic moments in cricket ever, just because it's an important final. It's limbs and scenes, reverse limbs and scenes, redo limbs and scenes. It. I feel I'm wearing a Lancashire top now out of respect for people like Richard Gleeson, Luke Wood, Jimmy Anderson in spirit. It was so exciting. I think I thought for T20 cricket in this country, it was a real lift and this is us. It's all the controversy. It's 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 the drama, Mick. I absolutely love it. Um, thank you, Pamela, for coming on. For the people listening to the podcast, we just got Pamela for that. But yeah, it's up to you now, listener. What do you think? We've both given our elevator pitches. I bet you're pressing that open the elevator door button desperately. Toby, have you got any reply? I'll give you one little bit of reply. Well, I think evidently could have been that big a moment if you couldn't remember who was bowling that last over. <laughs> that's, that's all I'll say. That's all I'll say. But it's about the fans, Toby. It's all about the fireworks, not about the cricket. But I, I think as well, the one thing is, uh, so many of our moments have revolved around the England Test side. And mm. I feel like that maybe should be summed up in that something like that should be number one, because it's been such a difference, mm. rather than maybe a more comical number one, which which you might be going for, with the fireworks going off early and, yeah. and oh, it's a noble. And oh, wait, who's that no- last over? Bairstow had gotten two centuries before uh, the Trent Bridge inning. So it's, it's not that unexpected. We've seen them do it better this year. So ooh. Only since, though, and only because of, I'd say. If only we'd lost that. that one and been absolutely um, mm. embarrassed, then I think maybe that might have been the end of basketball. But because yeah. that was maybe the way we were going with basketball. it. Maybe. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Rob Key would have been like, that's it. Sacked McCollum, stokes out the team. Bearstow rightfully gotten rid of. <laughs> I think I think we found the natural ending point. Toby, when this episode is released, we'll have a poll. Will you have Hampshire's delayed win of the T20 final with all the glamour, with all the glitz, or Johnny Bearstow's incredible innings at Trent Bridge? Should be an interesting one. Uh, Toby, let's make a rule. Our other accounts, like over the Trent, touchdown, that Thursday show, cannot vote on this because otherwise 
it's going to be uneven. <laughs> we need This is all about you. And then we'll make a post about the official one later on with your official guidance of what was the sticky wicket number one moment of the year. I, actually, I tell you what, whatever it is, I think we should write a lovely letter and see if we can send a reward to the person who won. So maybe Nathan Ellis, maybe Johnny Bairstow, whoever it is, if it's the Hampshire County Cricket Club, we'll try and send them a little prize and maybe this might become an annual thing. Who knows? And also any suggestions for the prize within a student budget, it would be greatly appreciated. But yeah, that's... I think just a firm handshake. (laughs) Firm, crisp, high five too. Um, Toby, that wraps up 2022. What do we want from 2023? More of the same, really. Um, I think exactly exactly the same, just better, bigger, better. Um, I think, yeah, hopefully just a bit more cricket. Um, and I'd, I'd say mainly just more people watching cricket, really. That's the key. And I think a year like this has really helped it. And we mentioned there with the, the Trent Bridge, trying to get more people in and, and loads more new students, new viewers who'd never really seen it before. And just more of that, really. And I think things like the hundred will, will definitely help with that. No, no, shut up. Um, <laughs> this is actually a bit of a cry that I've always thought about with uh, cricket. If you're a cricket fan, thank you so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. You've obviously loved cricket because you're listening to us to talk about it. So you must love the sport. Try and get more people to actually go to cricket, whether that's taking your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your partner, your fiancé, your best friend from work, your friends from school, whoever it may be. If you just go to a T20 game, the end of a five-day game, a four-day game, sorry, anything, men's, women's cricket, whatever you want it to be, you'd be supporting and growing the game. If you've got a little nephew or niece who is just at that sort of right age where you can get them a plastic bat, why not? Just bring them to cricket, get them cricket-based presents. And let's start this. Let's manifest destiny. The sticky wicket revolution. Of course, make them listen to this first, but then take them to cricket. Because that's that's what we're all about. I remember that being our first thing we said. We always wanted to grow cricket, Toby. And yeah, what would be your piece of advice to grow the game just that little bit more person by person? I think you've mentioned it there. Just take people to cricket, expose them. Um, and I think that's going to be really the way. Because there's so many people who have sort of already have ideas of what they think cricket is but mm. when they actually go and see it that will change instantly I think particularly with basketball particularly with even just the T20 blast game 100 game just some of the shorter oh. format um because that's it's a lot easier to access that kind of stuff just mm. oh it's only a couple hours here you can go you can go and have a few drinks with some mates have a mm. bit of food and a, and a great time watching watching cricket definitely and I really hope in 2023 we cover more of the women's game I still have never been to an England women's cricket game. To my great shame, I'd love to do it. It's always in Essex. It's always at well, Chelmsford. I think the Test match might be at Trent Bridge this year in the Ashes. So that could Ooh. be a little away day. Cheeky away day. Cheeky away day. Right, Toby, we're, we're running out of time. Thank you so much, dear listener. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on board. Even if this is your first episode or your millionth. Is this our 73rd, maybe? 73rd it is. 73rd. We'll try and get to that century before 2023. Toby, we have one way to end this podcast. Would you like to initiate it? Keep it your end. Go well. Cheers. <laughs>